Hello and welcome to episode Thomas Shabbat of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Colin Cudmore, and it's episode 8 of Draft Debaters. Today we come to the end of the season, unfortunately, as uh, this is our final episode of the 2020 series. So a massive thank you to everyone who's been following and listening this year. Uh, we really appreciate every one of you. Uh, and if this is your first time tuning in, every episode I'm joined by two scouts from the public where uh, they discuss some of their most disagreed prospects. So... Uh, our final episode is a particularly special one, as it's an all-European edition featuring two of the continent's finest. So let's introduce them. So on my virtual left, he is the head of European scouting at Dauber Prospects, coming to us from Finland. Welcome to the show, Joke Nevelainen. Joke, how's it going? Hey, Colin. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. And thanks so much for your support with this series, and really happy to have you on today. And you have some great competition too, as as a, a fellow Dauber Prospects writer, as on my virtual right, he's joining us all the way from Slovakia. Welcome to the show, Samuel Turpak. Sam, how's it going? So everything's fantastic. Nice to be on the podcast. Awesome, thanks. I'm, I'm happy both of you could join us today, as I've picked apart both of your lists, which you've recently re- released on Twitter, and I've taken four European prospects who I think should make for some interesting discussion. So just a bit about the format, I'll give each of you a chance to make your case for or against each prospect, plus a chance to respond afterwards too. Um, it's all in good fun, and I'm happy uh, we could get both of your perspectives today. So uh, the first prospect of discussion uh, today is Anton Lundell. Uh, he's the top Finnish player in the draft class, playing for HIFK of the Liga, uh, where he spent the last two seasons now playing against men in the top pro league. Uh, he's a natural centerman too, which should make him uh, a valuable target at the draft table. Uh, and the consensus generally has him somewhere inside the top 15. In terms of both of your guys' rankings, Samuel, you've been high on Wendell all season, ranking him third on your draft board, uh, whereas Yoke, you have him a bit further down at 10th. So uh, we'll start with Sam for this discussion. Uh, what do you like most about Wendell's game? I like his intelligence and defensive play also. He's uh, really talented when it comes to just reading the reading plays defensively and responding to whatever is happening on the ice. And also, he has a solid uh, offensive potential, which many people actually point out as his, one of his flaws, that he doesn't have offensive upside because he's not as dynamic. But uh, I think his smarts translate well into the NHL. And I believe his skating, which is... The biggest issue amongst uh, prospect people would also get better. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll give the mic over to you. Okay. Do you assess Lundell's game any differently? Uh, no. Uh, first of all, I, I need to correct you. I think I have him at nine and not 10. Oh, but, true. <laughs> but yeah, anyways. Uh, yeah, uh, I do agree with those, those being his biggest strengths and weaknesses, as, as Sam pointed out. Uh, I think the big difference for me is well it comes to the offensive upside i do i do agree that he has a lot of offensive skill and upside uh, but i just don't think it's anywhere near as high as the eight guys i have ahead of him so uh, i think he's more likely to be a 60 65 point player whereas the the top eight guys i have uh, are more like 80, 85, 90-point players. So I think that's that's the biggest reason I have Lundell a bit lower on my list, uh, but still in the top 10, that's that's a really high <laughs> ranking. So 
So yeah, I, I can't. I, I'm still a big fan of him, and I think he'll be a surefire NHL player. And and coaches, they all love him. So he 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 won't have any problems uh, transforming or making it to the NHL and becoming a, a really good, probably a number two center, I think, more likely than a number one center. But anyways. Uh, uh, on on a, on some teams, he could be a number one center even. Mm-hmm, for sure. And uh, over to over to Samuel. Um, I guess the big point of emphasis for Wendell is that he played against uh, top competition in the league of the season against men. So I'm wondering, how, how do you find that affects your rankings, and do you feel that he had enough success to uh, be picked maybe in the top three or top five? Uh, I I think he does. Uh, he had relatively great success even last year when he was uh, in his debut season, in his first season in Liga, where he was half point per game player or so, and really effective one. But his skating was more of an issue last year than this year. He improved a lot. And I think playing against tougher uh, competition definitely makes him, I would say, more more NHL-ready player than some of his peers. Mm, yeah, and, and I guess you bring up that, that that kind of two-way ability that Wendell has. He has both the offensive and defensive skills, and that kind of defensive acumen is something you don't really find in a lot of, of these top draft prospects. So uh, I'm wondering to you, okay, how you maybe assess that um, kind of all-around ability in a prospect? Do you find that um, maybe compared to someone like Lucas Raymond, who is who's mostly who's like very high on offense, I guess he's defensive as well, but even someone like uh, Alexander Holtz, who's very high on offense. Um, do you find that Wendell's defensive ability uh, elevates him even more, or do you find that um, the defense is, is more of like a learned aspect for players later down the road in their, in their development? Uh, I, I think he really has the ability to become uh, like an elite two-way center. So he's a unique player in that sense, that it's, it's really tough to find those guys. So... Uh, but yeah, for me, it comes down to how much offense am I willing to reduce from the game uh, for that defensive game. So I think if if I project him to be like 15, 20 points lower than the, the other guys in that range, then I think that's a bit too much. But then if we're talking like 10 points per season, can you sacrifice that much for that defensive uh, ability? And I think that's a much more reasonable take that uh, if you can have a 65-point two-way start versus a 75-point purely offensive player, I think then that's a close matchup. So, But yeah, everyone balances those things differently. Some value the defensive uh, ability more than others. So uh, there's no, no truth... You can't really say what's the right answer there, but I, that's that's where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And I guess just just out of curiosity, I want to give Doke a follow up question. Do you think that Lundell could play in the NHL next season? Uh, yeah, I think in a in a limited bottom six role, I think he could. Uh, but I it it may not be the best thing for his development for his long term progress. So. Mm. And, and same question as Sam. Do you, do you find that he might have? be able to play in the NHL next year? I think he might, as Joga said, in bottom six role, like third line center possibly. But I think uh, the best for him would be to play another another year in Liga, possibly in uh, 
top six role on the first line or the second line and further develop his skill set and then jump right over and play mid six role right away in uh, 21, 22, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's worth pointing out that he is an older prospect in this draft too. And we've discussed a fair amount of old prospects in in this draft class, but Wendell is one of the oldest and that can give him a leg up on potential. Uh, it's what's helped him a lot in, in some pro competition this year too. So uh, just another thing to take into account. But I want to move on to the second prospect of discussion today. And uh, this prospect's coming from Sweden and that is Helge Granz. Uh, he's a right shot defenseman for Malmo where he split the season playing between the Super Elite League and the SHL. So... Uh, overall this year, he's been a pretty disagreed prospect between uh, rankings, expected to go anywhere from the late first to even the third round, uh, but you guys are both decently high on him, so uh, just kind of to different degrees this year. So, uh, okay, you have Granz inside your top 20 at 19th, uh, while Samuel, you have him at 31st, so we'll start with Yoki on this one. Uh, what do you like most about Granz's game? Uh, yeah, I think his his combination of size, uh, skating ability, and offensive abilities, uh, I think that's that's a rare package. That it's difficult to find that anywhere else but the top twenty in the draft. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, he's a six foot three guy, I think, and just a great skater, uh, right-handed shot, which is always valuable for a defenseman. Uh, uh, there's still some work to be done in his like three-step quickness, but I think his speed and his glide especially are great already. And then once he gets to the... He doesn't really love carrying the puck up the ice, but he's, he makes great breakout passes. So he's, he's someone who can move the puck up the ice very, very well. And then he joins the rush. And once he gets to the offensive end, He's always moving around the zone, uh, taking part in the cycle game and shooting pucks and making good passes and all that. So uh, uh, the defensive game is a bit of a working progress still, but I think there's enough there to to project him to be a mid-pair guy in the NHL. And I think with with all the intangibles, uh, taken into consideration, and then you have a possibly number three defenseman. I think a top 20 selection makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and over to Samuel, you're obviously a, a big Grants fan too, as you still have him in your first round, but uh, do you find that your assessment is any different, or is it just a matter of preferring other players? It's. I think it's just a matter of preferring other players. Uh, okay, assess him pretty much similar to what I would assess him as. I would add that I don't see him personally being as effective defensively uh, in the NHL as maybe Joke thinks he would be. But I still think he was going to be good mid-pair two-way defenseman. Sort of a, of a prototypical two-way guy into modern NHL who has size, who has reach, who has smarts to play a really good 20 minutes in the NHL in his prime. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yoke, you kind of mentioned uh, his unique package. He's a 6'3 player. Um, and I'm just wondering, one, do you, do you find that he uses his size effectively? And maybe two, um, do you find that because of his, his size and that unique package that you mentioned that a team could potentially take him earlier in the draft? Uh, I think there's still, he could 
really use his body more, uh, play more physical game. Uh, he he needs to add some muscle to be able to really do that at the men's level. But uh, but also it's it's a mental thing to play a more physical game. And I think he he could do that a bit more to be more effective. Uh, but I think the the smaller ring size in North America will also sort of force him to play play a bit more physical games. So I think it'll it'll come naturally. But yeah, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if someone took him in the top 15. Uh, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Uh, top 10, maybe not so much, but uh, in that 11 to 15 range, uh, I think someone could really love him enough to take him there. Especially because this, this draft class is really thin on defense. So you have Drysdale and Sanderson, and then a, a large gap after that. And I think, for me personally, I think Rance is the third defenseman after those two guys. Uh, and therefore, he could really go even higher than where I have him. Uh, but yeah, he, he's had an interesting season, to say the least. I He started the season as my top-ranked uh, defenseman, but then he had just a horrible performance at the Linka Gretzky Cup and I think everyone really pushed him down the list at that point uh, but then when he went to back to Malmö in the Super Elite he was he was playing great hockey there then he was promoted to the SHL and he was even better there uh, I think his his performance in the SHL uh, was really really impressive the way he handled himself against men in one of the best leagues in the world so uh, but then when he went back to the under-18 international team in February, he again had a bad performance there. So I think a lot of people who are ranking him low are basing it mostly on those international tournaments. And the people who are higher on him are probably focusing more on his club play in the, in Sweden. Mm-hmm, true. And... I guess the the biggest weakness we we kind of all pointed out with Grans is that he still needs to work on his defense and and uh, he still is uh, still has ways to go that way. Um, but of course, no prospect is perfect, and uh, of course, so many of these prospects also have to focus a lot on defense. Uh, I'm wondering, to Sam, um, is there anything you look for in a prospect for their potential to maybe improve defensively? Is there something about Grans's toolkit that maybe? Uh, has he more of a believer that he can uh, be more improved down the road? Yeah, I mean, his size is definitely something that would help him develop defensive game because he would be bigger than most guys in the NHL or on the higher level. And I also think his smarts are really good, as I mentioned previously. I think he he has potential to be Almost, I would say, even second or third best defenseman. I don't have him as that right now, but I think he has potential to be so defensively. And he can improve a lot. He can use of his offensive skill set on defensive side of the game and really use that passing ability and skating ability. He uses to break uh, from the zone to really do some good work in the defensive zone. Mm-hmm. For sure, and, and I guess we've all kind of alluded to it, but there, there's, as Yoke said, that like there there really is a gap after Drysdale and Sanderson. So the the 
the door is wide open for who can be that third best defenseman in, in the draft. And I guess Grimes has a couple fellow Swedish uh, defensemen in that uh, as well, in Emil Andre and William Wellinder, who could even, and hey, maybe even Anton Johansson could be that guy too. But it, it's a big group. So I kind of want to move on to the third player of discussion today. And I want to go back to Finland to uh, talk about another forward in Roni Hervonen. There really is no shortage of Finnish forwards in this draft class. And, and like Wendell, uh, Roni Hervonen also played against men in the Liga for Asat. He's also a natural center like Wendell, although his game is certainly different, uh, as I'm sure we'll soon find out. But in terms of rankings, he's projected more as a tweener for the first and second round. And that's sort of reflected by you guys in, in your rankings too, as uh, Samuel, you have him ranked at 20th, while Yuke, uh, you have him at 41st. So uh, let's start with Samuel this time. Uh, why should a team use their first round pick on uh, Roni Hervonen? So um, an NHL team would get definitely get a super skilled and super smart player offensively, and which is what NHL teams should really want in a forward in the 20s or in the 30s, if he falls a bit. Because you look for that offensive upside which he can bring you. Some people might think he, he would not translate well. Those people who have him lower in the second round, or I saw him in the 50s for some in some people's cases. But I think he has offensive potential to really be that mid-six forward. He's natural center. He plays much better at center. But I'm not sure he would play center in the on the NHL level, since he's on the shorter side, definitely. Also, his defensive game is... There are some issues in his defensive game. He's not as strong. He's uh, really passive. From uh, games I saw, he was really passive in his def- in the defensive zone. And uh, but he isn't scared to be physical. And generally, I think he's he has that high upside offensively, which might make him a good pick at for, in the first round, late first round. Hmm. Yeah, and to Yoke, uh, you have him ranked in the second round. So why do you think a team should wait uh, a bit more to draft Roni Hervonen? Uh, yeah, well, as, as Sam mentioned, he, he's a natural center and much better uh, down the middle. But I just don't see any way he would be a center in the NHL. He's 5'9", has some skating issues. So I think those things will keep him at the wing uh, at the pro level. Uh, and he just hasn't really been all that effective at wing, and that's the that's the big thing for me. That uh, how well can he really play from the wing instead of his natural center position? And uh, I'm landing on him more being a third line winger who can he can play up and down the lineup. Uh, for the most part, I think he'll be a third-line winger. And for me, that's just not worth a first-round pick. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you guys both bring up the, the topic of, of moving him to the wing, even though he's a natural centerman. So I guess, uh, Sam, you've already kind of mentioned that with uh, how he's a 5'9 center and not as good defensively. But uh, do, you, do you find that there's also maybe some... Uh, sort of skating issues or anything with his anything specifically with his offensive upside that might hold him back from uh, being an effective NHLer. Mostly skating, as Yoka mentioned, he's not as strong, and uh, his first stride is really not good, and he is on 
weaker side when he's skating and he tries a lot but he doesn't have that explosiveness some other uh, centers have but that's probably it for what might hold him back offensively because I think he's really really smart player yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, those offensive skills definitely helped him in, in the league this year, too, where he did have 16 points in 52 games, which is no small feat for a draft year prospect. And he's also a fair bit younger than Wondell, too, which I should mention. But um, I guess with Yoke, uh, Sam just kind of mentioned his playmaking at the end. Is is there is that kind of what you find is the most um, exciting part of his offensive game? Or do you find that there, there are other aspects that uh, could make him a potential NHL or down the road? Uh, yeah, well, definitely his playmaking ability is the big part, especially when he plays down the middle. So uh, that's that's the big thing. that It's really difficult to make those plays from the wing. Uh, but he has been adjusting, so he spent most of this season playing at wing in the Liga. Uh, so he found some new ways to contribute. So he was driving to the net more often, uh, looking for deflections and redirections and all that. So... Uh, and, and rebounds and those greasy goals. So I think he has that kind of uh, ability to contribute offensively, even if he doesn't make a, a ton of plays. Uh, but yeah, it's just a bit more limited if he's more of a grinder, a greasy goal scorer rather than a playmaker, which is where his where his strengths really are. Mm. It's neat that you mentioned that his uh, he's kind of evolved his game lately this season because that reminds me of what uh, uh, Vitaly Abramov did this season with the Belleville Senators. I, what he did this season and just transforming his game and being less of a perimeter player and getting more towards the net. So it's great to see that uh, Hervin has kind of uh, adjusted that way to potential use of playmaking abilities more in an effective role. It's definitely interesting you guys bring up the point as a center versus wing, which is, of course, it's, it's a pretty common thing, I guess, in the NHL for, for centers that just transition to the wing. Uh, I want to go on to another forward for our last prospect of discussion, uh, and that is Theodore Niederbach. Uh, he's, he's another centerman, so he plays in the Super Elite as a member of Frolunda. Uh, he's currently a projected second or third round pick, which, I, again, I guess is reflected in your guys' rankings. It's Yoke, you have him at 40th, uh, while Sam, you have him at 82nd. So... Uh, let's start with Yoke. What do you like most about Niederbach's game? Uh, I think his offensive abilities, especially his playmaking abilities. So uh, he's a high-end offensive talent, uh, really creative. He sees the ice really well. Uh, I love his vision. I, he has excellent passing abilities. So that's probably the biggest thing. I think he's also a very, very good skater. Not, not an elite skater, but very good so i don't see that holding him back uh even though it's not necessarily a strength for him uh and i think with niederpark it really comes down to projecting him because he missed a full season last year with a knee injury uh he jumped straight from the under 16 league to the under 20 league because of that missed season uh, and that's that's a really tough thing to do. Uh, the Super Elite is a is a great junior league, uh, really comparable to the Canadian junior leagues, I think. So uh, being able to jump right in there uh, on a stacked Frölunda team where he was mostly playing on the third line, uh, and he still managed to produce a lot of points, even though 
most of his points came on the power play, but I think that's understandable given the the injury and the time missed and his his usage on the third line at even strength. So I think it makes sense. And he's also a really good power play player. So and I think that's gonna be something that translates really well to the NHL. That he's gonna be uh, responsible for running a power play in the NHL as well. Yeah, maybe maybe the second power play, but who knows? Maybe even the top power play. But yeah, it really comes down to projecting how much that missed full season affected his development right now, and where he's gonna be in two, three, five, seven years from now because of it. And it's it's much more difficult to project him because of that. Yeah, true. And uh, it's tough to miss a full season for any prospect. And and I guess uh, over to Samuel, is there anything that has you uh, less convinced of Niederbach? I'd say that the the reason why I have him that low is probably that I like other players more. But uh, with Niederbach, I have uh, issues with his defensive game. I don't really think it translates well on the, on the pro level. I don't think he is defensively responsible enough to really put in the effort to really become that level of defensive player you need to be to make NHL, which is my biggest issue. Playmaking abilities are there, as Joke said, and the, just like Joke said, uh, with power play abilities, he's great at that. But there are some other issues as well. And I don't project him to be just as good as probably Ronnie Hirvonen, who is uh, similar, of similar stature and uh, plays playing style. So that would be that would be my issues. Mm-hmm. Yoki, you, you mentioned this uh, um, about how he played on the on the third line, and and a lot of that came down to just because he was on a strong Forlunda team last year, which uh, had players like uh, Carl Henriksen, uh, fellow draft eligible player Daniel Torgerson was there too. And they were second in their division before the playoffs were canceled too. They, I'm pretty sure they led the league actually in, in goal scored too. So I, I'm wondering, do you find that being on a strong team surrounded by strong players maybe affects the perception of Niederbach at all? Uh, yeah, I, I think it does because even though they they really had that stacked team, but most of most of the top players obviously play on the top six, and Niederbach didn't really have a lot of talent around him on the third line because he himself was just too good to play on that line. But uh, but yeah, so I think he got maybe easier matchups, but then again, he didn't have the line mates to support him. And as a playmaker, you really need to have those players around you who can finish the plays that you are making. If, if It doesn't matter how many plays you make. If, if no one is finishing, then you're not going to put up points. <laughs> uh, so I think, yeah, it's a bit of a double-edged sword on that sense but uh but yeah for the uh for the defensive issues that sam mentioned uh for me i think it's it's mostly because of that missed season missed development time that's that's my my belief on that situation that once he gets another season in the junior league uh i think he'll be a much much better defensive player uh but as I mentioned, it really comes down to projecting with him. That what what parts of the game are affected by that full season of not playing, and which parts aren't not are not. 
and I think strength and the defensive game uh, are the two parts that are clear weaknesses for him right now, but I think they will improve tremendously over the next two or three years. Uh, so that's that's really what I'm counting on. Of course, it could be that I'm completely wrong on that side. <laughs> he doesn't doesn't improve on those aspects, but that's the that's the beauty of scouting, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And, and I guess the, that, that mid-season really is, I think, the big difference between your guys' rankings. And because, and, okay, you're kind of taking it as as a kind of an adjustment factor, like where uh, it's something that he where he, he has more room for improvement that uh, uh, because of that mid-season. Whereas, whereas Samuel, it seems like you're kind of more skeptical about his development going forward because of that mid-season. So I'm wondering, uh, just to Sam again, how, how you find that mid-season might tie into, into his development. Do you see it as a legitimate concern or do you find that he'll be able to make up for it in future development years? I think it definitely in, in some degree uh, affects his development because those injuries might reoccur and there will be more question marks after that. But overall, I think he, he would get better, as Joke said. I, I hope I'm wrong because I really like his playmaking ability. Yeah, I think that it wouldn't be affecting his further development as much as uh, it affected his last season. I hope he develops really well. Yeah, so it's it's definitely interesting seeing a prospect like Niederbach, and he's far from the only injured prospect uh, uh, projected to go in the first few rounds this year. I mean, we, we've seen guys like Hendrix Lapierre and Justin Barron as well who've uh, had some uh, tough injury troubles in the last uh, season or two. So just to end off these episodes, I want to give both of you the floor just to talk about some of your sleeper picks this year. Uh, maybe just some late round picks who you just really like. You maybe stick your neck out a bit for. So we'll start with Sam first. Uh, who are some of your late round picks? So my late round picks. Uh, I'm really high on Artyom Galimov from uh, Akbar's Kazan, who is like double overager, but I really, really like his game. And I think he's going to be top six forward on the NHL level. Uh, some people might look back at this podcast and laugh at me because he definitely might not. But I think he has the tools to be that top six forward, somehow, uh, somewhat of a Panarin type who is really productive, has proven that he was he was uh, I think he was the best rookie of the season in KHL this year as twenty year old, which I think is great. And I strongly believe in him, even though he might not get drafted because we don't often see double overagers drafted. And some other guys, possibly Xavier Simono, who went undrafted two times. He is uh, he was, he attended the Leafs development camp last year, so not being drafted. And I really like his. Uh, leadership abilities and overall game despite him being only five foot seven really small and only small percentage of uh, players of that height make the NHL but I think he's worth the risk and also his leadership abilities and the fact that he is one of the most intelligent player in available make him a good light round pick mm-hmm yeah, yeah. Simono, it was 
personally, it was a bit of a surprise seeing him undrafted last year. Although I guess because he's five seven, I guess that isn't as much of a surprise. So I guess over to you. Okay, uh, exact same question. Who who are some of your sleeper picks? Uh, yeah, well, I was going to mention Golimov as well, but uh, okay. <laughs> Sam took him from me. But but yeah, I, although I'm not as high on him as Sam, I see him more as a bottom six uh, center. But but anyways, uh, then for the other guys, I think. One of one guy I'm really high on compared to most people is Bogdan Trineyev. Uh, he's a six foot three winger from the Dynamo Moscow junior team. So he's a big guy. Skates really really well. Uh, I'm a big fan of skating. He has some offensive abilities, but not a high end offensive player. But I really like his two way game, uh, and I think. With that size and reach and skating ability, when you combine it with the, with the two-way game, I see a pretty safe NHL player in him. Uh, more of a Joel Armia type player who is valuable for the team, uh, but not someone who would get all-star votes or anything like that. So, sure, yeah. But I think uh, in the late rounds, you you would be just happy to find that that type of a player. Another name I would mention is Leo Löw, uh, defenseman from Faria Stads junior team. Uh, 6-1-6-2, defensive defenseman more, of a, more than anything else. He has some puck-moving abilities, but uh, the thing I really like about his game is his defensive game. So he makes really smart decisions with his stick, uh, great positioning, and I think... If he can just work on his puck skills enough uh, to be competent with the puck, I think he can be a bottom pair defenseman, and you can probably find him in the fifth round. Or yeah, and he has a twin too. He has a twin brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not not as high on his brother as I am on on Leo, but but yeah. He so not a flash flashy player, not a sexy pick, but I think one who who you would really like if you can find a player like a reliable defensive defenseman for your bottom pair. If you can find a guy like that from the fifth round, I think you would be doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys, for your, your time today. And just before we go, our listeners need to know where to find your work. So, uh, Yoke, we'll go back to you. Uh, where can people find your work? Uh, mostly at Doppel Prospects right now, uh, and I spent way too much time on Twitter, so I think that's <laughs> another place <laughs> where you can find my my work. But yeah, we're right now we're finalizing the Fantasy Prospect Report, which will be available on June twelfth. So if you if you're curious about our rankings and all that, you can find all that from the Fantasy Prospect Report. Uh, so that's that's something that's been taking most of my time lately. But yeah, I'm I'm trying to do something for the site uh, as often as possible, doing some interviews and and different kinds of feature stories and all that. Awesome. We're looking forward. And same question to Samuel: Where can where can everyone find your work? Mostly on Twitter, where I spent uh, like the okay too much time. Same here. But... <laughs> Yeah, and also I have a few articles coming up uh, later 
this week or next week uh, about Czech and Slovak prospects for this year's draft and some pro- new profiles for the Dober Prospect site. So that I share a lot of stuff on Twitter as well, so people can always look for some content on my Twitter feed. Yeah. For sure. And I'll be I'll be sure to share both your Twitter profiles everywhere because you guys both do great work. So uh, that about wraps up for this episode. So thanks so much, guys, for your time. Uh, really, really appreciate it. As I wrap it up, a reminder that you can find the Cosmo Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And if you really like it, you can rate and review it on those platforms as well. You can find me on Twitter at Cudmore Colin. And for Trevor, even though he wasn't on this episode, you can find him on Twitter at ShackTS. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at CP Pointcast, where you'll be the first to be notified of future episodes, as well as be able to submit listener questions in the future for future episodes. This also wraps up the entire Draft Bader series for 2020. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed it, even just as, a little bit as much as I did. Trevor and I will still be talking about the 2020 draft in uh, the coming months, and hopefully we'll have some 2021 Draft Baders too when that rolls around. Uh, the support for the series has exceeded every expectation that Trevor and I had this year, so I re- really appreciate every single one of you who's tuned in this year for Draft Debaters. I'd be remiss too if I didn't mention all the fantastic scouts who generously gave their time this year to make these episodes happen. There's Josh Tesler, there's Max from TPE Hockey, there's Larry Fisher, Derek Newmeyer, Eric Dunay, Will Scouch, Chris Peters, J.D. Burke, Scott Wheeler, Brandon Holmes, Ashley Glover, Tony Ferrari, Alex Taxman, and then this episode, Samuel Turpak and Yoke Nivellinen. A huge thank you to every single one of them. Uh, make sure you go follow them on Twitter and support their work because they're all doing fantastic stuff. Stay safe, everyone. That's all for today, folks. Adios.